Especially when people see that I still have ink on my hand. Uh, that's true. I washed it, but it did not wash off. I didn't like You sponsors. need some cherry bomb. Yeah, I have some at home, actually. I have a whole like, oh, there you giant go. tub of it. Yeah. TCB. Because I do a lot with my hands. Anyway. All right. You ready? Oh, I'm already recording, so we should yeah. just get to it. Well, let's, right. let me get ready. Okay. Great. Done. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 39 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we are going to be answering a lot of questions talking about WIC feeds and why doesn't everybody just use those. We're going to talk about what makes an ink lubricated and what does that even mean. Get you some handwriting practice suggestions and we'll have a lightning round. So truth be told, we had to record this in advance because we had a little schedule conflict, but we did not want to leave you all without a pencast this week. So we're recording this one back to back with episode 38. I still have ink on my hand. I washed some of it off, but not all of it. My hair is still a little crazy. I don't think I actually talked about that in the last episode, but I gelled it yesterday because I showered like midday. So I wasn't really ready to shower again, but I had like crusty overnight gel still in my hair. So I like washed it, but not with shampoo. So it's like this weird sort of clean, but not really. John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. I do a little bit of that going on. Yeah, I, I, I meant to talk about it last pencast, but I failed to, but now, now you know. Now you know what's going on in 38 and 39. Anyway, so uh, basically whenever we have to record in advance like this, we can't really talk about what we've done because it hasn't happened yet. Drew, how was your birthday? We don't know because he's still 37 as we're recording well, this. I, I think I think that I'm going to go to a comic convention. I think I will have gone to a comic convention. Oh, so how do when you think here? it will have gone? Uh, well... Uh... <laughs> See, this doesn't work, folks. Oh, no, here, here we go, this here we go. This doesn't work. No, no, I'm going to tell you exactly. So my son said he was going to wear his elaborate Halloween costume that I made him. And, yes, um, the one you, you know, painstakingly he was, made him yes, over months. He was, super, he was super into it, but then the morning of the Comic-Con, mm. he... No, 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 sorry. When we were in the parking lot about to walk in, he changed his mind, got really upset because he didn't think anybody else would be dressed up. Yes. And we needed to take off everything, and he just wore his base layer um, into the Comic-Con. Yeah. And, okay. Um, and brand. then regret and then regretted it yes. once he saw so then we had to go back out into the car okay and uh and he had and he put it back on yeah so. and then by the time all that happened you didn't get to do the one or two things that he was probably looking forward to yeah doing. yeah that's exactly what that's this, exactly what happened this in is the future we, last this week is what will have happened by yes. the time we get to it that's that's <laughs> on brand that's on brand i'm tracking i think so i feel good about yeah. it yeah uh anyway <laughs> so yeah uh, glad to have this podcast for you, but we did load up a bunch of questions. So this segment will basically be all Q&A uh, with a little lightning round at the end. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to get right into the Q&A. All right. We're going to start off with a question from Scott. And Scott essentially asks, why don't more expensive pens use wick feeds like the lower priced workhorses? He specifically mentions how he has used the Pilot Varsity for years and just absolutely loves it. It never dries out. It always writes. It's a super performer. And then um, while he loves his Lamy 2000, he is regretfully uh, 
forcing him himself to say that the pilot varsity actually is more reliable in its simplicity and wonders why mm. only like super cheap disposable fountain pens use the wick feed system which as we know is a felt kind of small straw or rod yeah. that ab absorbs ink more like a sponge rather right. than the uh, plastic tunnels of the more conventional fountain pen feed delivery systems okay okay so he finds it incredibly efficient and wonders hmm. if it's it, like the varsity is super super efficient if it's so efficient why don't why don't the more expensive pens leverage this efficient technology it's a good question. I'm trying to think of besides the Varsity, what pens even have that wick in them? I know like I, the Platinum Preppy highlighter and like other things like that will have it. Yeah, I can't or, think like, of anything that's a fountain pen. Like Yooker's uses it, but it's a it's not a fountain it's pen. It's not a fountain and pen. It's got that's got yook. It doesn't yeah, have it's a the, feed. Yeah, it's the yook. It's got a yook. We it's literally, the yook sucker. We literally asked. We were like, "What is this thing called?" It's not really felt, or it's not really thing. They're like, "It's it's yooker. It's their own. It's their own thing they designed." It's like it's the yook. We're like, "Is it yook? Is that what it's called?" And they're like, <laughs> "Sure." Like they did that. But no, I can't think of a fountain pen that uses a uh, feed. Only, only some some fountain varsity, pen. Varsity is it? That's all I can think. Yeah, of. yeah. Like there there have been some like Noodlers made a rollerball one time that used a little wick thing and it took True. fountain pen ink, but it's still not a nib. But it had problems. Like oh, absolutely, it, it did. It had problems. Yeah. So is there something so magical about what the Varsity's doing? Like I mean, <laughs> it, I'll be honest, I don't have a great answer for this because I have so little experience with any other pen besides the Varsity that has a wick feed. The, I mean, aside from, like you said, the Noodlers one, which, you know, Noodlers sold replacements for that, which we had to use all the time because, you know, I don't know what, I don't, again, I don't know what's different. And they were hard to the install. One. They would clog and then we'd have clog, to tell customers, yep. all right, we'll pull the wick out. So you're just using the roller, the metal tip. And then yeah. that created other issues. If the thing dried out at all. Well, and it, yeah, because it was on the roller ball. So that maybe that had something to do with it too. It's just like the feed rate that you would get through a roller ball that's using fountain pen ink with a wick feed versus, you know, an actual fountain pen nib. Maybe that had something to do with it. Also, they're um, impossible to fully clean usually. Like, yeah, you can't. As soon as you ink it up, it's going to stain it. It's, you're never going to get that thing looking bright and clean again. Yeah. So my, again, this is this is a tough one for me because I have no perspective on what a wick feed would do in any pen besides the Varsity, really. So I would, I, I basically just have to assume that Pilot being such a prominent in thorough and established fountain pen manufacturer that they are, they are obviously making these things for the varsity. I would have to assume that sometime in their hundred plus year history, they would have thought, gee, I wonder what would happen if we tested out this wick thing on another pen. And they probably did. And it probably had enough reasons not to do it to where they don't offer it. So I can only assume <laughs> that you know pilot they're not sharing like all their r d with the world but i would have to assume that at some point somebody at this large company has tested this thing out and found enough problems with it to where there was concern and they're not offering it so i don't know what black magic they're putting inside these varsities to make it work so well but i in the only other pen that we have experience with having a wick feed it was not better than a regular fountain pen no. feed. It was not in almost any way. 
try as, as noodlers might. And, you know, I just literally don't know. I, I think, but we know this wick feed, it probably depends on how it's designed, what it's made of, blah, 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 blah. The only thing I can think, perhaps, Drew, and see maybe if you're with me on this one, this is totally just what I'm surmising could be the, the situation. The varsity is only available in a medium nib, right? So this is our only baseline. This literally, this one pilot varsity medium nib is the only baseline we have for a successfully operating wick feed, right? So I can only assume that just the way it's designed or maybe the flow with that particular nib is matched up well with that wick feed. But if you were to put an extra fine nib or a stub or broad or something else, you would probably have some kind of issue with the flow rate or something like that. Because the problem you have with a wick feed is it's like, it's just one supply. It's not gonna, it doesn't have like the fins and all that kind of normal stuff like you would have with a conventional feed where it can sort of act as like an ink regulator. It's pretty much just like, it's just sucking it down like a straw and it's not gonna have the same variability. So my only assumption is that whatever they, however they designed that wick feed to be paired with that nib, it just works really well. And if you were to change either component even slightly, it would not work as well. So I think that the versatility that you get with a wick feed is not very diverse. And you probably, it's like, it would you would have to pick a particular nib size and tweak and design it and all that kind of stuff. That's a total guess. I have no insights. I've never talked to the pilot about this. That's just what I'm probably assuming is the situation is like, if you were to put it on a Lamy 2000, it would suck terribly. And maybe it would work on like the medium nib okay or something like that. But then you put it on an extra fine and it would just not provide enough flow or something. That's my guess, but I, it's, it's no better than anyone else's guess. That's a tough one. That sound really about, that I, sound, I think that does, does that make sense? I, it did make sense to me. I really, I'm like you. I have no idea, but yeah. yeah, I have to imagine that even if it worked, the cleaning is still such a big issue because you would yeah. have the the wick would need to be replaceable because depending mm. on the ink, or you'd have to use it with like nothing but the same black ink. But in after after a while, yeah. wicks are not meant to be multi-use delivery systems. Um, yeah. Just or, just like just like a sponge, eventually. You know the thing wears out. You can't you can't use a sponge forever. Maybe if it's sort of like euchre, like if it's a synthetic type thing, maybe it would it wouldn't like break down over time or anything. But still, if you're using even, if you're using even shimmer then, ink, if you use shimmer yeah. ink or pigmented ink or anything like that, you're gonna even then the the, the yuk the yuk can stain too. So oh, it definitely that, stains. I mean, right? But I've, I mean that 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 means there's ink still there. Like that's what the stain yeah. is. They, those are ink components remaining in the absorbent whatever yeah. so i would say that if you did need if you if you were able to invent a mm. if you were able to somehow regulate the flow issue that is a variable you would then need to have a essentially i think it would need to be so you have a gold nib you have a pen and then you would need a cartridge attached to a wick feed that then that whole unit would get replaced and it would need to then fit right under the nib perfectly so that it delivered everything but you would need to be replacing the ink and the feed together as one unit and, and just that would be a whole new component no, this wouldn't be better <laughs> this Brian, I'm this like, isn't better no it's not my face hurts because i'm i'm like when you were saying i have to imagine that pilot at some point you're like just doing this thing and i just want to and now you're just shaking your head i just want to speed up this whole video to see you just wiggling around and moving 
I do move around. I do move around. It's just the same question. I think, I think your your very practical, pragmatic brain is just hurting with this one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, does not compute. Like, no, this wouldn't work. But I get it though. Uh, Like the the varsity works. Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. That's a, this, this is a tough one. It's a good question, Scott. I appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to ask around. Please, please, if you if you have any theories of folks, yeah. many, many, many folks out there that are more versed in the you know physical, you know, the physics of the delivery of an ink and the air ink interchange and stuff like that, mm. well, let us know what you think because this has got us pretty stumped. Yeah, it's a brainer. It's a brainer. It's not a no brainer. It's a brainer. Definitely a brainer on this one. All right. Next question we have is from Rabal. I somewhat regularly hear Eroshizuku inks referred to as being lubricated, and most frequently Konpeki is cited as a prime example. I use Konpeki, and I must admit that it seems to write like one would expect a lubricated ink to write, whatever the heck that is. However, your website shows that these inks are not lubricated. If they are not lubricated, has anyone ventured a guess as to what Pilot does to make it seem that way? Oh, yes. What a beautifully <sighs> clear and easy answer to give. Drew, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, this is a, this is <laughs> also a brainer, Brian. Um, yes. Well, Rabal, that's a good question. The, the whole, like Brian said, whatever that means when he was reading the question, lubri- the feel of a lubricated ink is... Uh, extraordinarily subjective so uh, bottom line it's not up to us to determine and or advertise whether or not an ink is lubricated that's up to the manufacturer if they want to call an ink fast dry that's up to them if they want to call it lubricated if they want to call it water resistant we do not make those notations because that would be extraordinarily subjective and then we'd be getting complaints we'd be changing our minds Mm -hmm. and i'm glad we do not actually have that responsibility i don't want that responsibility we don't have any ability to measure that. We'd just be saying like, oh yeah, this feels lubricated or oh yeah, this is pretty water resistant, I think. Under what circumstances? How are you going to test it? So if they want to say it's lubricated, great. I I can't even define what that means because you've got noodlers (laughs) who have their eel series, black eel, green eel, whatever. Yes. Um, Or green cactus eel, sorry. But they originally had their lubricated line Mm-hmm. to assist with piston lubrication. They yeah. did not advertise this is going to write a particular way. The 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 lubrication yeah. was primarily advertised as an to make your piston operate smooth so that it doesn't kind of get tough over uses yeah, for, and uses and for, uses. For pens that you can't disassemble, you know, if you use this ink in it, it will help to keep the piston operating smoother than it would with a another nor, you know normal ink. Right. That's and what then, it's for. As and a then you have it'll write more lubricated. Yeah, but that's not even that wasn't even what it was intended, and it yeah. may, maybe it's just our in all all in our heads. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got Monteverde. They have this ITF technology that they put in their things, and they call their inks lubricated, but then they say that it's for flow. So. Again, this is all up to them. If they want to say that, they, they can. There's no way to test for it. There's no way to measure lubrication. So it, well, it's up. Maybe. I How mean, could you measure lubrication? We don't uh, even know what component creates the lubrication. I mean, we can guess. You know, we can guess. We can guess all day long, but you know, we definitely I'm, cannot come to a point where we can say, okay, you know what? We're going to change a Roshizuku well, okay. Konpeki so, to lubricated status. Well, so this is where it gets more complicated. Like this always comes. Oh, back it's to, already complicated. This comes back to we don't really know what's in most of these inks. 
you know? And I, I think actually, okay, there's two things going on here. There's one, which is like, scientifically, there is something in these inks that are definitive and you, you could, you could break them apart. You could test them. If you, you knew say, what was in it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if you look, if you have the resources and the right machines and equipment and all that, you could reverse engineer these inks and say exactly what's in these things. If you were on like CSI Miami, you could, you know, just Miami though, zoom in and enhance, you know, they're like famous for like the ridiculous, like stuff, you know, that they would uh -huh. have on there anyway. But you, you could, yes, you could find out every component that's in these things. And you could say there is X amount of, whatever chemical that is classified as a lubricant, glycerol or whatever the heck, you know, and you could say these inks have more of this lubricant component, these ones don't, and you could make a firm definition of what is considered a lubricated ink and what is not. Is it something that has any lubricant in it? Is it something that has a certain amount? You could technically do that. We do not have those resources, nor do our manufacturers tell us these things. So we're left to guess. Then you have the community side, which mostly arbitrarily determines what inks seem lubricated and what's don't. That's what Rabal's talking about here is people talk about it being especially Konpeki lubricated. What does that even mean? Does that mean it just flows smoother? Does that mean that it writes wetter? Does that mean that your piston operates smoother as you're writing with it? It's not specific because given no like firm, you know, objective thing to talk about here, we're left to, you know, just make our own determination about what lubrication means. Same as saturation, same as all these other things. And it's gonna be different in different nibs and different feeds and all these different things without some like specific consistent scientific way to measure it. So there is a way to do that, but we don't have those resources to be able to do it. Therefore, we're just left to guess and your guess is as good as ours. Yeah, and I will say that Brian and I both agree that Compeki is an excellent performing ink. It's a great it's, ink. It's, it's one of Brian's old favorites. Yeah. And we, we know it flows really, really well. But yeah. the fact that it flows well cannot be solely attributed to the fact that it has maybe some lubricant in it. It probably we, we, does. It probably yeah. does. Most ink, most ink have some lubricant in it. Exactly. Because, so yeah. what is probably happening is that it is a common component used in most ink. Yeah. And depending on how it's manufactured, some might be manufactured with more than others. Yeah. But, you know, where does that line become? Where you get to a point where like, oh, it's officially lubricated now. Like, we don't right. know. No, no one knows. And right. it's just like if a company wants to say it's fast drying, just because they say it's fast drying doesn't What's mean fast? that this other thing that What's fast? isn't What's slow? What's normal? There's not there's <laughs> What even is you, this? How can you say so, something is fast right. if there's it's, no standardized You can say you can say thing. anything is fast. You can say anything about yeah. anything. But here's the thing. You're going to find some inks that are labeled according to their alleged properties of performance. And then yeah. you're going to find some that aren't and still outperform those that are. Right. So you can find right. an ink that like Lexington Gray has nothing in its, you know, titling or advertising about it being a fast dry ink. Noodler's Lexington, Lexington Gray dries incredibly fast, like 10 seconds. And I bet you it dries faster than a bunch of inks that are labeled fast dry. And Probably. there are some that are not advertised as being permanent or water resistant that are going to be more permanent than the ones that are advertised as permanent and water resistant. It's just yep. a thing. It all comes down to how the manufacturer is choosing to market their ink. Yeah. And yeah. I hate to throw my hands up on a second question in a row, but that's the reality of things. <laughs> we are like, right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, to go back to it, I, I would say that most, if we were to, if we were to leave it up to our assumption, we would have to say that most inks are lubricated because I think with, again, knowing without absolute certainty on the way that almost any ink is formulated, um, there is some degree because dye by itself really does not flow well. It's very dry. So you almost always need some kind. This is what I know. Again, I've never mixed ink or anything. I, I could be wrong, but this is my what I understand about it is that you need some degree of lubricant to counteract the dryness of the dye. You know, what I think people would generally consider lubricated is is there so much lubrication that the ink flows wetter, writes wetter, whatever, more so than normal. But who determines what that is is entirely based off your experience with other inks. So it kind of falls in this very fuzzy place where the reason that people bring it up now and then is based on their experience or most often on social channels based on what they read about that other people have posted and maybe not even their own experience. They just like to, you know, feel smart sometimes and maybe share something when in fact <laughs> they may not know and there's not a pure definition around it that said compact is a great ink so by all means that but we can agree on it is really tough there is no great classification for this which is why we don't put it on our site a lot doesn't mean it's not lubricated though it just means we don't call it that because we have no idea what's going on if we call it that that means that the manufacturer calls it that calls it that. We, are, we are just yeah conveying that and we have no way to know whether that's any different than anything else. Just because they call it that, we don't really know. Nope. But bottom line is, is it a good ink? And that's why we sell samples of everything. Because rather than buying a whole bottle and being disappointed, you can get a sample. I mean, obviously you want to read stuff. Not everybody posts things online that they just hear other people say. I'm very much over-exaggerating there. I love the online community. It's not a thing. But, uh, you know, use do some research. But then if you're really, you got to know, try it for yourself. Use your own determination. And then you can join the confused masses like the rest of us and be like, oh, is this lubricated? It feels like it. And then you'll be you'll be in the same boat as the rest of us. But at least you'll have experience with it. All right. Okay, well, our next one comes to us from I-E-R-E-N-T-G-E. Mm, okay. I-E-R-E-E-N-T-G-J-E. Wonderful. Anyway, this Good person... Good to have you here. This person asks us, I want to write more often to practice handwriting, but I don't know what to write. Suggestions. Mm, words. Words are good. Ooh, good one. I, yeah. I should have said that. I wrote down mm -hmm. uh, sandwiches, but... Uh, sandwiches. Yeah. Those are, I mean, it's names of sandwiches or words. No, so no. I was thinking she would actually kind of like... Like draw create, sandwiches? No, like actually create a sandwich. With create a, a sandwich. That's a, that's a little tougher. That's I know. Like a, with like a 3D pen, maybe you could create a sandwich. You know what? I didn't mm. think that one through, Brian. Clearly not. True. Yeah, I was very hungry when I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, we've, so we debated about taking this question because we have talked about like, oh, get the art of Christmas penmanship and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, yes, you could probably, have you like improve your handwriting? You can do like handwriting drills and all that kind of stuff. Sure. We have some resources for that. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Uh, so we wanted to go a little different direction of this, which is like, more just like, hey, I need some inspired things to write. If I want to write some stuff that's just different, give me, point me in a direction of something that's interesting to write. So that's the direction we wanted to take this one. And because y'all are awesome, and despite me dogging people leaving comments about things that they read other people write, I don't actually believe that that's usually the case in the pen community. 
y'all are great actually. And because we have such an engaged following here, especially on YouTube with the Pencast, we thought it'd be a great opportunity for you all to post some suggestions in the comments, and then y'all can see what other people like to use for writing, for practicing handwriting and just finding inspiration and stuff. So we do have some suggestions for you, um, but we thought it would be a great opportunity for y'all to pipe in, uh, whether it's just like fun, interesting words or phrases, like short stuff that you have, like Drew's little likes to take two random kind of things like like a, 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 a carrying my new favorite of some my kind new, my new some random my, food yeah like like yeah um you know like, cheese helmet's a good one or like apricot helmet uh but recently <laughs> happy muffins has been my favorite because you've got the double p's a big okay. y at the end and then muffins got the two f's yeah big old big old m happy muffins there you go or and like, who doesn't um, like writing those two words those are two like, great uh, words mark bacchus the Nib nibmeister he's famous for writing mango chutney like that's his deal so that's you a know, fun one. there could be a, a short fun phrase or something like that to write or if you wanted something i went more the route of like uh, a famous speech or a piece of literature or something yeah. like that something yeah. to more like transcribe mm -hmm. um that's that's kind of the way their direction i took it so um uh one of my favorite you know famous speeches is teddy roosevelt the man in the arena speech very inspiring i've never written it out um but it's not super super long but could be kind of cool to write that one out so that one's interesting and could be motivational um i went a different direction rather than the like politician famous speech kind of thing i was like let's go with something uh, a little more romantic so i don't like read a lot of poetry or any of that kind of stuff N nothing against it just not in my my daily routine um so i just googled like what are the most romantic poems of all time and i looked in there and uh, apparently the let me not to the marriage of true minds by william shakespeare sonnet 116. shakespeare known for writing some good words so you know it's on a list on some random site on google about one of the greatest poems of all time could be worth a look so check that one out or then i went like let's go a little more pop culture not too recent though um i went with the it's a wonderful life the lasso the moon monologue very famous you know what's not to love about that so some nice heartfelt words there so yeah nice little mixture of some politics some romance and some uh you know pop culture so solid that's what i got yeah solid could be fun um one of my favorite things to write, I've done this several times, is Carl Sagan's pale blue dot um, mm -hmm. speech. That is a beautiful thing, really yeah. kind of existence affirming. Uh, I, I really enjoy that one. And it's billions beautiful. and billions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I really love that one. I've done that one several times. And then mm -hmm. I, I'm a you know movie nerd, so one of my favorite uh, like kind of like battle speeches was uh, Aragorn's speech from Return of the King in the Third mm. Lord of the Rings movie. That one is really good. Yeah, Charlie Charlie Chaplin's monologue from The Great Dictator is one that has circulated several times. Mm. It's very very poignant, very meaningful, and uh, as relevant then as it is today, or as relevant today as it was then. Hmm. Um, not often recognized for his speaking roles, but uh, this this yeah. monologue is actually really, really well hmm. delivered and um, kind of timeless. So, um, and from my own heart, I have to say Rocky's monologue in the movie Rocky Balboa. It's a it's a pretty long one. I have not written this one, but uh, it's the you know it's not about how how um, uh, how hard you hit. It's about how many how hard you can get hit and keep going. Like 
that's kind of the the end mm. gist of it but it's a really inspiring monologue that he was uh giving to his son and um i, I love it i'm a huge rocky fan and then of course not so serious but uh, the president's speech from independence day like that was <laughs> that's like an old like childhood favorite of mine like that was super oh, yeah. cool i mean very very cheesy but still still pretty badass i like it a lot that was, a, that was yeah. a pretty solid movie. We were at a good yeah. age when that movie came out. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know how well it holds up. But I do remember, you know, it was between that and mm. Braveheart. But I, Braveheart, I don't think that speech has aged quite as well. I think it's a yeah. little bit more hokey. Yeah, um, there's a lot of historical inaccuracies yeah, in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one, I'm like, eh, it's, a good, it's still a, a very entertaining movie, though. It is. I just can't watch it. after. Um, so I saw John Adams, the HBO John Adams series. Okay. Everybody's Teeth. Just disgusting. Just all <laughs> rotten, falling out. Everybody's talking as though they're just experiencing pain with every movement of their mouth. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that. that's realistic. So then going back and watching Braveheart, everybody's just pearly whites. It's just perfection in everyone's mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on now. That's not... I don't think that stop was... Stop it. I don't think that was happening. Probably not. Nah. Probably not. Those, those Celtic battlefield dentistry, you know, famous for their expertise. I think I heard they originally wanted Brad Pitt to play the lead in Braveheart. Oh man, yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah, that would yeah. have aged equally as poor. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, those cool. those are our suggestions, so enjoy and please if mm-hmm. you have any recommendations for this yeah. um, this delightful Instagram user whom uh, chose a name I cannot pronounce, uh, please let her <laughs> know in the comments. Nice. All right. Next one I got. This is from Jamie. I've been using fountain pens for a few years now, and I want to step beyond the usual nibs. In particular, I like the idea of a Sailor Naganata Togi grind, but I don't have the $600 to get one from Sailor. Okay, fair enough. So I'm thinking of take of talking to some nibmeisters and planning on attending my first pen show this summer. Regardless of the desired nib grind though, do you have any recommendations for questions to ask or things to look out for when getting a custom grind? Great question. Great question. And Drew, That's you just went to a pen show recently. I just wish, went, so went to a pen show. I, yeah. I did not get any nibs grinded, mm. but I will say the first thing that popped into my head when I read this question and the thing I feel the most strongly about is do not underestimate the value of simply getting a pen tuned and just polished like if you've got a pen that you really really love but the nib is just okay just get it tuned and smoothed and a skilled nib meister will be able to make it perfect and even if it's a, a pen you think is great odds are they can make it better to me the best thing you can do with a nib meister is to bring them a pen that you want to love and they can more often than not get you to love it. And that to me is just the best thing a professional nib grinder or nib meister can do for you is to just make something right the way it should or make it right the way it should for you. Sometimes a pen is the way it should be, but just not perfect for you. They can make it perfect for you. And that that would be my first recommendation. Sure, specialty grinds are fun and exciting, but I think that any person who's found uh, passionate about fountain pens should have a pen that just writes perfectly all the time 
and they can help you get that. So that would be my first recommendation is to take them, give them your favorite pen or a pen that you want to be your favorite pen and just say, hey, make this as good as it can get. And uh, that that is just worth its weight in gold to me. As far as what you need to bring with you, prepare, like really any good Nibmeister is going to ask you the questions that they need to you know cater to your needs because it's not in their best interest to just kind of like do their own thing and kind of you know like hey here you go because it's going to come back so they are usually going to ask you questions ask you to hold your pen how you would normally hold your pen and assess your needs before getting started so you don't really need to prepare a lot of questions or you know thoughts just kind of know what you like and if they have a website, which most of them do, check out their website, kind of like looking in the menu before you go to the restaurant, mm, you know, you'll see yeah. a list of the things that they're going to be able to offer you, um, the prices in a lot of the cases, whether or not they have any specialty grinds. And so you can kind of be ready with a uh, grind request that you know that they can actually do. Um, whether it be a, you know, Naganata adjacent grind, obviously the Naganata is a sailor grind, but there are Nibmeisters who can do similar grinds as well. So um, just know what you want. And um, my advice would just be to uh, think about getting something just perfectly tuned and smooth because I tell you, a perfectly tuned and smooth nib is just the best thing in the world. And if you don't really know what you're looking for and it's like, seems like a lot of an investment to go with some like crazy grind or something, if you don't know specifically what you want, kind of what Drew said, going with just getting something tuned really well, it's usually pretty fast mm. and it's cheaper too. So if you have a couple of pens you really love, but you would love to enjoy them even more, you could probably get like two, three, four, five pens tuned in about the same time and the same money as you could getting a specialty grind of some kind. So you might actually end up doing better just bringing a bunch of pens and getting them tweaked to where you love them. Because especially if you're going to a pen show in person, there's such an advantage to them seeing you right with it. They can see your angle, they can do the tweaking, they can hand it right to you. You can tell them, well, I kind of like this, but it feels a little bit like that. They can adjust it on the fly. You know, it really is the best way to get something tuned is doing it in person at a show. Um, the thing I'll say is they often book up very fast. So if you've never been to a pen show, sounds like you haven't, don't necessarily expect to just like be able to walk up at any point and get your pen tuned right away. Oftentimes they will open up a list maybe before the show or maybe even at the start of the show. And that thing may be booked throughout the entire weekend and you will just be out of luck if they're really in demand. And especially as things have been opening up with COVID, they haven't not had a lot of pen shows the last couple of years. Probably, I don't know. How was it in Baltimore, Drew? Were they like Nibmeisters like completely slammed? Were they even there? What was the I, I heard that Saturday was a little more slow than Friday because of the really, really shoddy weather. Okay. But that was yeah. that was that was a uh, an anomaly. Yeah. Okay. But I will say that a lot of the Nibmeisters that I follow on Instagram often post that they have openings available and here's how to sign up or book a spot. So yes. if you know who's going to attend the show, a lot of the times the show's website will have a list of yes. vendors and exhibitors. If on that list you see a Nibmeister, try to find them on Instagram. They might be providing you with some information that could benefit you ahead of the show. And, you know, another thing to keep in consideration, if you're looking for some really exotic grind that's very time consuming, they may not be willing to do that at a show because they only have so many nibs that they can grind while at a show. They may not be willing to do something super complex if it means five other people aren't going to be able to get their nibs adjusted. So do your research ahead of time. Shop for who's going to be at the shows. Try to look at their websites. If you can, even email them and say, hey, I'm going to be attending the show. I really would like to get this done. They may be able to guide you. I have no idea. It depends entirely on who they are and how busy they are and that kind of thing. But doing your research ahead of time, trying to make the most of the opportunity of being at that show 
will you'll do so much better and, and get more out of it than you would if you just like show up and see who's there and try to sign up whenever because it may you they may get slammed and you just might not be able to get your stuff done so um another thing i would think too is like you know there are some nibmeisters that are known more for doing particular grinds they may have a style they adapted they may do something kind of cool and interesting so if you don't really have any idea of something specific you want but you just want something kind of weird and crazy maybe just ask them and go with the thing that they specialize in you know if they're really good at architect nibs or something like that uh it may be better just to go with kind of their suggestion like if you go to a a restaurant and you don't have anything specific but you know the restaurant's good you just like okay what do you recommend what do you what's your specialty that kind of thing you could just go to them and say you grind me something that's really interesting to you i'll just be happy to have it so i don't know that could be kind of cool if you don't if you are just overwhelmed with the options and you just want something interesting um, but personally i think architect grinds are really cool especially if you want something in print if you write a lot in print like block print architects are great in that way um, if you have really small writing going with like a really fine cursive italic is really good it's not super time consuming so you can usually get that done pretty quick and, and inexpensively but they don't often come from the factory that way so you can get really really small cursive italics done pretty easily from a nibmeister um, so just a couple of suggestions there if you needed some some more unique and interesting nibs those are some of the more popular ones that we've uh, been asked about too from from customers so Pretty good, pretty good. It's gonna be fun going to your first show. It's an experience for sure. All right. Drew. All right, our number five question this week is from Daniel. And Daniel says, question for the pencast. You're in the right place, Daniel, thank you. Hmm. You have mentioned a few times that you don't know the composition of inks. Why is this such a trade secret? We were just talking about this, Brian, we during sure the were. lubricant question. That's right. Ah, yes. Yeah. So why uh, is this such a trade mm, secret? Why are they mm -hmm. keeping this so close to the ink belt? Ink vest. <sighs> vest belt. Whatever. The vest belt. <laughs> Do you have a vest belt? I, I guess you can have a vest belt, right? I don't know. You, you're more of a vest man than I am. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I own a single vest now that I think about it. Oh, vests are great because if you've got if you've mm. got like long arms and a small torso, so you yeah. either need to choose between like well-fitted sleeves or well-fitted torso, mm. vest kind of just like brings everything together okay. so that like no one knows that I have a baggy shirt torso. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. See me helpful. though, I have a large torso but a very short like upper like body very short so you just torso. have to tuck you just have to tuck in a lot of shirt then <sighs> well so yeah <laughs> all right well let's the, we're falling down a rabbit hole that we yeah. don't need to go down talking about so, the, the weirdness of our body shapes but because <laughs> you and i both have some interesting things to note there, uh but, we're unique snowflakes so right, why don't ink, ink companies disclose their compositions um i mean it's always been that way ever since we got into the whole pen thing it's there's no list of nutrition facts on the side of these things. no not at all not even close so um there's some of that but i mean it probably obviously goes back to somewhere but it's, that's not a recent thing that's the way ink stuff always has been yeah my guess my guess and again this is a total just guess um it probably has to do with the fact that the actual act of making the ink is not actually that hard or time consuming but the research and development, the formulation, the sourcing out of the correct supplies and materials and finding something that works really well, the knowledge and the chemistry and everything that goes into knowing the right thing to mix is very, very high. So 
it what that does is that makes it ripe for copying, right? So if you have something, there's a lot of R&D, think about like, I don't know, Coca-Cola Classic, right? Like they protect their formula famously like in a vault and there's like, they don't even, you know, there's like one or two people or whatever the legend is that actually know the formula, but most other people, it's like they only know certain parts of the formula so that nobody can just take and steal their formula. But obviously they can manufacture gobs and gobs and gobs of this food, right? Or drink. So I think it's sort of like that. When you have something that could theoretically be very easily copied, if, the, you've, if you've already done all the work of creating the thing and it's easy to replicate, well, that's, that means that protecting that trade secret is of the utmost importance. I imagine ink is probably that way because they're, especially because fountain pen ink, you know, most of the dyes and stuff, from what I understand, most of the dye components and all that kind of stuff use, it's not like there's fountain pen ink, you know, dye manufacturers specifically. Fountain pen inks are like barely a speck of dust on a flea's but in terms of what <laughs> like like industrial dye you know industry there are literally like train car loads of dye that are being sent to the textile industry and printing and stuff like that it's it's like um, almost miraculous that any independent ink maker can even get any ink material because it's such an insignificant quantity compared to the industry at large. So I think that sourcing it, getting the right materials, all that kind of stuff is so difficult to do that, you know, if you just gave away all those trade secrets, it would be so easy for other people to copy it. And then they would just make your ink and you would be out of business and then there would be no new ink. So I think they have to protect it because it's so much work to just get the right components. That's probably the situation. Knowing what I know about the world, which is not that much, but probably more than your average person, um, I think that's what's going on. Just like recipes or just like, you know, if you have a famous restaurant that, you know, is known for a certain dish, they're going to have their own kind of trade secret, the way that they do it, the way that they mix it, that it's just their own heart and soul and their own particular thing that they put into it, you know, and they're going to protect that. So um, I think that that ink very much falls into that that same that same category. You know what my theory is? Mm. It's much less complicated. Oh, I think okay. that I think that they probably just don't go out of their way to report any of it and that they're not required to, so they just don't care. That could also be the case, yeah. I think that there's probably some oversight organization that they have to report their ingredients to in order to market it or to sell it. Um, but it's not edible, so they don't. They're not falling under yeah. any sort of regulation, some FDA regulations, or you know, um, yeah. it's it they don't. They don't. They're not required to, you know, give us an MSDS sheet or anything like that. And I think they're probably reporting it to who they are legally obligated to report it to. But yeah. why in the world would they go out of their way to share it with anybody else? Like that's that's more work. Why would they even bother? Yeah, I, just I think, mean, I just unless think. it's you know, like we've talked about before, unless there's some particular component or particular. Uh, quality that the ink has that makes it more marketable, you know, then they'll talk about that aspect of it. Yeah. But there's no, there's really no distinct advantage, certainly in like a, you know, reporting, legally reporting type of thing. There's, there's no advantage to doing that unless you're required to literally yeah. in any way. Right. But why would you even, you know, talk about it? I mean, yeah, why would you bother? Why would you talk about any of this? I mean, Colorverse, to their credit, probably talks more about the like, scientific components of their ink 
stuff. I mean, you open up Colorverse inks and there's all this, I don't even understand half of it, but it talks about viscosity and all these other things in there. And you're like, cool. But you're also like, what do I do with this information? Like, right. Yeah. Does this mean anything? And if nobody else is saying any of that stuff, you're like, what does this mean to me? Yeah. Even if you had an MSDS sheet, it doesn't talk about like the way that it's made or even like the breakdown of components is basically a list of what's in the thing yeah for safety like, reasons what do you, like what would you do if like you know yeah anyway. if you were like oh it has glycerol yellow one two three instead of biglycerol disulfuride be like what does okay. that mean to me in any way you know so yeah i don't know but it would yeah. be nice and it'd be nice to know a little bit more but yeah i don't know all right well, those are our questions. We had a couple non-committal answers in there, but uh, we definitely we really, talked about them. Really didn't give you a lot, but we do have a lightning round. So oh, we gonna, do. We're going to pack in some, I don't know, shorter answers. I'll just say shorter. They're not going to be better. They're not going to be, you know, more accurate, but they'll be shorter. So we're just going to go back to back. We told ourselves we're going to do like no more than one minute on these answers. We're trying to go shorter. So I'm going to start off. And we're just going to ping pong back and forth, the two of us. Bring we're it on. See how, we're going to see how this goes. You ready, Drew? Ready. All right. From Fitnix. Best high-end snap cap pens, preferably with gold nibs. Drew? Lamy 2000, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then pretty much any ST DuPont. They're all gold nibs. They're all snap caps. They're super nice. All right. The end. Fair. All right. That's it. All right. I'm not going to okay. get my piece. Um, just, we're just going to ping, go back and forth. Our friend Jade Twyler, that's what we called him one time, but it's actually Detweiler, John, I believe, um, ah. asks, returning to the office soon, what are some of the best work pens? Brian, Ooh, go. Okay. Twisby Eco, inexpensive, high ink capacity workhorse pen. You can see your ink level. Great. Lamy 2000, writes great. Doesn't look too flashy, so people wouldn't necessarily think like, ooh, what a fancy pen. Who's he trying to be? Or, ooh, I want to steal that. But it's a nice, classy pen. Great to use. Um, and Jinhao Dragon. Just because what? you haven't been around people a lot, and you'll be like, yeah, I got a effing bomb of a what? pen. What are you going to do? <laughs> Look at me. That's if you want to just like, screw it. Chin I'm back in the dragon. office. I'm wearing cargo shorts with a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> and I'm bringing a dragon pen. What are you going to do? God. What are you going to do? I've been working at home with no pants for the last two years, so you're lucky you get this. I'm just going off the rails with it. But Oh, my God. All right. I kind of like one. that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, oh boy, Asheraz Nook. How can you tell when a nib is damaged? My niece dropped my pen and is now scratchy as heck. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, use a use a loop. You'll be able to see if anything's misaligned or totally jacked up. Um, if it's more scratchy going left to right or right to left, then it is the opposite direction. You probably have a misaligned tines. One's like going like that or that. And honestly, a drop can really ruin a nib. So uh, you'll see pretty quickly whether or not it needs some TLC. Might bring it to a nibmeister. The end. Use a loop. Or replace it if it's a swappable nib. That could also be, that. yeah. If it's like a, something in place with the Yobo or something like that, a Goulet nib. You know, replacing it's going to be cheaper and getting it fixed by Nibmeister. So that could be an option. Mm -hmm. Boom. All right. All right. FisherGirl63 asks, do nibs ever need to be replaced after certain amounts of time? Um, yes. A certain amount. Not a certain, an uncertain amount of time, maybe. I wouldn't say certain. So, I mean, it's it's a wear item. You use it enough, it's going to wear down. Um, and you, if you go to like Nibmeisters and stuff like that, you'll you'll definitely see nibs that, you know, especially if they're being used by the same person and they're held at the same angle, 
you know, it's friction. You know, paper over time will wear away metal. It takes for a very years long and time. years and years and years and years. It's usually decades, but it depends on the nib. You know, if you have an untipped nib or is a tip nib and all this kind of stuff, there's different quality of tipping that can make a difference. If it's an extra fine nib versus a double broad, the amount of tipping on there that can make a difference. But bet yes, over time that you can get basically like a flat spot on the nib that can wear down. If there's enough tipping material, you might be able to get it reground, maybe not to the same nib size. If you have a broad and it's really flat, it might then be a fine after it's ground, but it might be salvageable. You don't have to replace it, but it all depends. So this is the kind of thing like, you know, over time, yes, eventually, but it's not like if you're used to using like calligraphy nibs, like dip calligraphy nibs, you basically buy those things in like 50 packs because you're replacing them all the time. It's not anything like that. Pretty much if you have more than like a couple of pens, you're probably not going to use any one pen enough to where you're ever going to have to literally replace the nib because you've used it so much. So I wouldn't really worry about it too much. Gotcha. Also, just buy a bunch of pens and swap them out. Just the more pens, the less you'll wear them down. All right. (laughs) Next one. All right. Oh, yeah. This is me. Okay. Emma, 1996NL says, are you able to ship to Europe again? And do you send bought stickers in envelopes or boxes um well you know what i meant to ask somebody about the stickers and i forgot to do that but emma Mm -hmm. we never stopped sending to europe we have always shipped to europe and we cover most of europe with the exception of some you know smaller territories and some countries uh we usually send to most of the european continent uh the only thing is we do have a limit on orders shipping to the uk they have to be over 200 dollars in order to leave us and go to them but uh yeah we never stopped shipping to europe yeah, it depends where in Europe. Yeah. And obviously with stuff going on in Russia, Ukraine, there is disruptions that are happening. And there are certain countries where certain shipping carriers are available, not available. That kind of changes. We actually check it basically weekly and we'll adjust accordingly. We have a list of all the countries we do not ship to on our FAQ section of our website, but most of Europe gets shipped to. Yeah. And as far as the stickers and the envelopes or boxes thing, it honestly is going to depend if other things are ordered with it. If you're literally just ordering stickers, it's probably going to go out in an envelope. And I know we do get questions from time to time. People are like, just throw it in a stamp and, you know, throw a stamp on a regular envelope and ship it out. And it's like, yeah, theoretically, that would be good. But that's not really how it works when you have like a full scale shipping operation because we have to have tracking. We have a whole system that has to mark stuff and send emails and all that kind of stuff. And we can't do that if we just throw a stamp on a thing. So theoretically, if you had envelopes, yeah, we usually use padded envelopes, but it's going to, you know, it's we're going to have all the same shipping costs, which is kind of stinks, but you know, makes it so that like, if you just want to order stickers, it seems expensive and it kind of is, but it's also expensive for us to process it too. So it's kind of like, uh, it's really meant more of like tacking on while you're ordering other things and all the costs kind of just get absorbed together. If you're just ordering stickers, they are very expensive stickers. If you buy an empty bottle, those are super cheap and we'd have to put those in a box. There you go. Get stickers or just get like 500 stickers at once. Anyway, if you place an order for $85, you get free shipping. So there you go. There's there you go. All right, All right. Last one comes from uh, Potterwatch 221B. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, a pen slash ink that you think is overrated. You know what, Brian? I will say that. I know that this one is uh, torturing you, but I almost put one on here where someone asked, um, could you give me some like advice on starting my own business? And I wanted you to be able to answer that. In, in like, a lightning one... round question? <laughs> yes. I thought that'd be funny. Pen business had... or just any business? Any business. So I was like, I was like, let me troll Brian by putting such a big question in here that he has to answer in over a minute. Like, yeah, I'll leave him alone. I won't do that. But yeah, uh, start it. Was, it. That's it was your... tempting. 
do it. <laughs> Start. All right, no, no, don't answer that. Answer this one. Okay. Something, something that's overrated. A uh, pen or ink? Anything brown, probably. Oh, is overrated. Yeah, that's disconnect what I would have this to man. Uh, no, I legitimately thought about this, and I I came up with nothing. I, because look, in order for something to be overrated. I would have to feel like too many people think it's good when I don't think it's actually good. There's things that maybe I don't like as much that other people do, but then I don't feel that's overrated. That's just what other people think, and that's fine. So I don't know. I got in my own head about this one, and I don't mm. have a great answer. Um, I don't tisk, know. Tisk. A lot of people like the CP1, the Lamy CP1. I Personally, I just don't like that pen that much. So that's always kind of like my go-to overrated pen. It's a fine pen. It's also not it super is. popular either. It's waned a little bit over the years. Yeah. As long right, as here, here, here's anyway. here's one. Uh, you, I, I, you just um, we just published the uh, uh, underrated fountain pen inks video, and you said that right. uh, uh, Rui Donk is not uh, is is some people like that, and you don't understand why. No, I understand why. I just don't like that color. Oh, okay. You said yeah. you don't quite get it. I in don't the get video. It. I don't okay. get it. Like in my own like like I don't like it. This is not okay. my color, but I understand okay. why the people that like it, like it. You're far too tolerant, Brian. And I don't think there's more. You got to understand, Drew, like, <laughs> my entire job is like seeing the potential in every pen, every product that we sell. Like if it's Well, truly... I can do that too. I do that when I'm in like Drew you know, work mode, but when I'm in Drew, you know, selfish consumer mode, you know, I can hate all sorts of stuff. I, I have a, I just have a really, I don't know. I... I struggle with this one. I struggle oh, with this man. one. I don't know. What What do you think is overrated? Maybe you can get the pump primed here. Do you have a like an, I think this is overrated thing? Maybe I can like oh, play, play sure. off of that uh, a little bit. Like I think the Platinum 3776 is overrated. Really? Absolutely. Why would you pick that over any sailor or any Platinum in an equal price? Like, no contest. Or pilot I like meeting? it. I think it's fine, but I think it's, I don't, I don't, I think it's overrated. Hmm. Absolutely. I could give you, hmm. I could give you a dozen things I think is overrated. Now, Granted, if I put on my Drew, I work at the Goulet Pen Company hat, there is absolutely a ton of virtues I could extol on the 3776 as to why I think that could be a particular customer's ideal pen. But for mm. me, the consumer, putting on the consumer hat, bah, it's for the birds. Hmm. Hmm. You gotta be able to switch gears. I guess I'm not that versatile, Drew. I am. I am, I am what I am. Fair enough. All right. I, I well, I don't want see, you to change, Brian. You stay only, the same. I only see the good in all of them. Oh God! <laughs> all of all right. No, I'm. I'm. I, I'm really struggling. Maybe I'm just. I'm, am I not understanding the question? I know we're going long on this one, but it's the last question we got. I'm really struggling with this one. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Let's use some feedback. Okay. So we'll get some feedback in the comments. Let me know what pens you all think are overrated. Maybe I'm overanalyzing. I'm trying to think. A lot of, of people what? think the Lama 2000 is overrated. Remember, we covered that. <laughs> Well, those people can go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, no. <laughs> oh, we found it, folks. Gotta keep it family friendly. Gotta keep we it found family friendly. it. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I could make an argument for that. I could make an argument for that pen. Oh, my God. Come on, man. I like right, the custom. I think that's underrated. As great as, as much as it's hyped up, I think it's underrated. But. Mm -mm -mm. What do I know? What does that, what does this even matter? Who cares what I think? I think, I think, I think the custom 74 is overrated. I think this pencast is over. Dang it. You had All a good right. run, Drew. No, I mean over, uh, <laughs> over. 39. Okay. That's what you got. All right. You had a, you had a good run. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not ending the pencast. Uh, no, I like, the, pencast, I like the custom though. 74 quite a bit. I don't Let think Let me it's know. Overrated. All right. Tell you what. If, if we get some good responses for the whole overrated thing, 
I'll read them and I'll like, okay, I get it now. I think I'm just like overthinking it. Then I will follow up in the feedback on episode 40 and give you an actual answer. I'm legitimately just struggling on this one, but there you go. That's all we got for this one. It's a shorty, a shorty at 55 minutes this week. But hey, that's short for us these days. So thank you so much for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Be sure to check out gulaypens.com for all of your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. And you can email us at gulaypencast at gulaypens.com because that's our email. And uh, I don't have a fun fact, but I do have a fun phrase. Mm. It's got some laugh from the Fun the phrase. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's not a dad joke. It's more, well, it's not really a joke. It's more of like a funny statement to make. So okay, bring I, don't it on. Know, I don't know how to tee it up exactly. Okay, so um, I've been told that I have a preoccupation with vengeance. We'll see about that. <laughs> okay. That seems like he, well, not a dad joke. Yeah. Not a dad joke. Not a dad joke. No. But. All right. <laughs> I feel like that could, that could be in like some 80s action movie. Yes. With yes. like a, dis a discount, like Dolph Lundgren yeah. or something it's like, like that. It's like a bad line from an 80s yeah. movie. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Okay. I can I can track with that. Does that work? Does that work? I don't know. I'm trying, I mean, I was trying something different this week. I don't know. We'll see if that worked. I know it's not like gut busting laughter, but. No, certainly not. But, Whatever. Uh, you know, sometimes you need to lower the bar so that uh, your next mediocre joke will sound even better. Wow. Ah! Uh, I don't know how to take that. That was a bad well, I'm just glad. I'm just glad you didn't punch me in the teeth with another unexpected dad joke. That's that. Well, so that's what's coming next time. You better believe please don't. It. Oh God. I'm gonna rope a dope. That's what I'm doing on this one. I'm just giving you a really low bar on this. one. I know. And I'm next like, one's oh, gonna this, friggin' knock you on so the floor. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. Yeah. Fair Get enough. ready. Right. Get ready. Dude. All right. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't want to hype it up that much. I'll probably forget. And then, okay. Whatever. That's all we got. Episode 39. We'll be back next time with a longer one. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Right on.